Welcome to Risk Never Sleeps, where we meet and get to know the people delivering patient care and protecting patient safety. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet. Welcome to the Risk Never Sleeps podcast, in which we discuss the people that are protecting patient care. I'm Ed Gaudet, the host of our program, and I am pleased today to be joined by Ed Marks, CEO of Marks Advisory. Ed, good day. How are you, sir? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing really well, and I'm super excited about spending this time with you. Excellent, excellent. New year, new gig for you. Tell us about the Marks Advisory. Yeah, this is one of these high-risk propositions, but I raised my kids to be entrepreneurial and do their own thing and control their destiny. Meanwhile, I was always working for someone else, some other organization, and there's pros and cons for sure, but there came an opportunity where I could flip the script on my career and just go independent. And my first customer is actually the my previous organization. It worked out beautifully. So it gave me a chance to launch and give myself a pretty long runway to make this happen. So nice. super excited about it. That's terrific. Yeah, you've done a lot in your career. Obviously, you've been a healthcare leader, but you've been an entrepreneur, I think, in many ways. You've written a couple of books, right? Two books or three books? Yeah, maybe five or six. Five, yeah. five or six. Yeah, yeah. So I lost count. <laughs> Any new books in the in the works? Yeah, yeah. I'm really stoked about a couple. One is coming out this spring. I did with Chris Ross, CIO of Mayo Clinic, and it's mm-hmm. on patient experience. But what we're really excited about is that it's written for the public. It's not written for healthcare. Because we got to the point that we've been writing a lot about and talking a lot about patient experience and healthcare. We've moved the needle, what, an inch maybe? Yeah. And so we're like, you know what? It's not going to happen inside of healthcare. It's going to happen outside of healthcare. So we wrote the book from that angle, but we do have a chapter called Dear Colleagues, which we included in the epilogue. And hopefully people will, our colleagues, our peers will get a benefit from just full of different ideas and things we learned. We did tons of focus groups, learned a lot from patients. And the other book is a more personal book. So I'm going to, we're trying to figure out the exact timing, my wife and I, but my wife and I wrote a book on the physical aspects of marriage. Oh, it's very juicy, let's just say. And no one writes about it, but it's important. So anyways, we hope to drop that book sometime this year, 2023. Excellent. What is that like the Mark Sutra? What is that? Yeah, yeah. that would have been a good name. Dang. (laughs) It's not too late to change the name. Yeah. Now, and your wife's in healthcare as well. Yeah, she's a DNP. She's been a clinician for 30 years, mostly at the bedside, Does has been a director of nursing and things like that along the way at fabulous organizations. And she get, just got to the point where, you know, I'm going to get my doctorate. And then once she had her doctorate, she was like, what I really love is helping people like change their lives. And people won't pay to go talk to someone to change their life, but they'll go pay to get Botox. They'll go and pay to have other things done that are more superficial, but that opens a door for them to have these deeper conversations. And mm-hmm. so that's what she loves about it. It's like the, it's just that the extra is doing, helping them look nice on the outside. But what she's really doing is ministering to them in the inside. Well, that's terrific. I think you're absolutely right. There's really a need for that, certainly. And I think in the next decade or so, that's going to be much more important, especially for the next generation coming up. Yeah. And the side benefit, you, I, the listeners can't see it, but my forehead's looking a lot better lately. You look amazing, actually. <laughs> I was going to ask you, are you doing anything there? <laughs> yeah, my, my wife, I'm her guinea pig, but I encourage men to come in as well. I do. All the kids use it now. So it's amazing. They're all using Botox, all the kids. 
they think that it's going to in 30 years are going to look like they do today, which maybe they will. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was shocked. I, you, you do see, I see a hand, super handsome man. I'm like, Dang, that guy's really handsome. And how is he pulling that off? I, and I was so naive until my wife opened a med spa and I finally figured it out. Huh? They've been doing Botox. Got uh, it. <laughs> all right. I would never be confused as someone that's handsome using Botox. Although my, my wife asked me about, are you using Bota? I'm like, no, I just use Neutrogena, Retina, same type of thing. You're a beautiful man to me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Back at you. So how did you get into healthcare? Yeah. When I was 16, I was a janitor. Some friends were janitors at a healthcare setting. It was like an outpatient clinic with an emergency room attached. And it was a great job. It was after hours. As long, you know, Obviously, the emergency room was open 24-7, but the rest of it was a clinic. So they closed at 4.30. So wow. as long as you spent your three hours, which is what it took to clean the place, sometime between 5 p.m. and 8 a.m. the next morning. So it could have been Friday. You could wait till Monday morning at 8. It offered a lot of flexibility. It's a great job, and it paid really well. It was like 4 an hour. But this was back in the day, and you might remember, you're not as old as I am, but it used to be like three... Back then, it was like three and a quarter or something for minimum wage. So here was like four sixty five. I was in a big time, and so I was sweeping and mopping and had my Sony Walkman on, listening to some tunes. And I, you've got a great song list and playlist, and it was probably Black Sabbath and the ACDC. I was nice, kind of nice. Stuff. And and but I just like wow, I'm supposed to be in healthcare. I just knew it. And I, there's no voice or anything. Unless it was Getty Lee or something. Ozzy Osbourne was calling yeah. you into healthcare. Was like, That's what you're telling me. <laughs> and and so then I was like, I like this. And then so I had the chance to join the Army Reserve. I needed some money for college. And they, I took a test. And they said, oh, you can be anything. And there's a whole list. And one of them was combat medic. I was like, yeah, it's healthcare. And so every, so then after I graduated college, I was struggling, trying to get a job. I was an Army Reserve as an officer at the time, but couldn't get a full-time job. And so I just got a job at the local healthcare system as an anesthesia tech leveraging that medic stuff. And one thing led to another, I got promoted. And But I just realized this is it. And ultimately, I worked in strategy. So I worked my way up as a computer project manager, head of the computer systems, basically for the OR. But then I got my first salary job as a, in a strategic planning. And, uh, and then, of course, the IT department back then, stereotypical IT people couldn't communicate well and had a great product. So they asked me to get involved as a sort of liaison with physicians. And I did. And then our oldest daughter was born. It was a really traumatic birth situation. And I realized, wait, the technology that those guys in IT have, that could save her life. And so I'll go into a long story. And sure enough, that's what happened. So her life was saved. And I realized, aha, the reason I was born, my career is to be in healthcare at the intersection of clinical tech and strategy and save people's lives. And gosh darn it, the next opportunity I had, I became a director of IT at another hospital and my career just went from there. Wow, what a great story. Did not know that, that's great. So you've seen a lot, probably not much keeps you up at night these days, but if anything did, what would it be? Security, cybersecurity. Ah, uh, good answer, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one reason people said, Ed, how come you don't go back and be a CIO? Because I still get recruited today. Hey, come be CIO at some great organization. And I think I have a little PTSD going on or something because, and not to make light of PTSD, but I, so I'm being facetious, but serious at the same time. Yeah. And that the cyber things really concerned me. And I took them very seriously because we make, a, as IT professionals, we've made a solemn promise to our patients that not only are they going to get the very best care, but we're going to keep all their information safe. You know, it's very, it's very personal information. No one wants it out there on the web. And so you make these, this promise and it's hard to do. And so thankfully there's organizations and leaders like yourself that, that help with that. 
But that's what would keep me up at night, almost literally. And that was always the guy I had, and I know you operate the same way. I, if my people had to be woken up in the middle of the night, I wanted to be woken up in the middle of the night too. Exactly. So I was on all those calls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had a cyber issue and dang, but I would just listened. Well, it wasn't much I could do, but I wanted to be a part of it and make sure everything was getting taken care of. So that that's my long answer. I think that's the military probably, right? Yeah. In you. Yeah, yeah. I have a similar background and it does. You want to be there on the front lines with your folks, with your team. You certainly, especially when things are going bad. Yeah. All the um, time. That's great. That's great. Tough couple of years with the pandemic, obviously, for a lot of people. What are you most proud of this year, personally and professionally? I think on the professional side, it's taken. So I took over a CEO for a consulting firm and I had a mission and that was to really improve, increase, diversify offerings and it really help organizations with digital transformation. And we did that as an organization. So I'm really proud. And there's some amazing people that are there continuing to carry that on. Forming Mark's advisory was a big risk and big step. And I'm proud and I'm thankful for all the people that that helped me. So those are a couple of things on the professional side. On the personal side, I think just wrapping up the book with my wife and we're thinking about doing some speaking together now. We've done some speaking together previously, but now on, on, on the dual career couple and how do you make it work? We've got multiple kids and they're all doing all right. And we think we have a couple things to share. We learn the hard way. And so that that's it on the personal side. That's great. That's great. And I, I love watching your family grow through Facebook, obviously, as a bit of an observer. And I'm sure you get to see yeah. that we're working on as well as a family. But And I think that's like the one of the benefits of social media and Facebook and things of that nature. Outside of healthcare, what would you be doing if you weren't doing healthcare or the current advisory job? Yeah. If I had to do something different full-time, I would love to write more and speak more. So that's why I'm super excited about this venture with my wife. She's from Facebook, other areas. She's super adventurous with me. And so we'll go bound around the world and climb and hike. And so we, we've learned a lot in that process and growing a family where we're both second married. And so we, we learned a lot. So we write more about it and then speak more about it. And that's fun because that way you can give back and help people. And I always think about speakers. I love watching speakers. I learned so much from speakers. And a lot of speakers, they might just be super inspirational, which is awesome. But I want to, we want to inspire and motivate and give you practical tools because after you leave and that motivation or inspiration wears off in the day-to-day -day realities of life, it's like you want, you need something like, hey, what were those three things I can do again to help yeah. me? Some of those speakers are really great, but empty calories. Right? Yeah, yeah. Tastes great. <laughs> Tastes great. <laughs> That's great. And what would you tell your 20-year-old self if you go back in time? It's funny you should ask because earlier today, I had on my YouTube channel, my three sons and oh, they're, they're all in different industries. And we're talking about digital disruption in their industries and they're 20 to 25 to 35, actually 26 because one just had a birthday, 26 to 35. So they're within a 10, nine year span. And we still talk a lot and they still ask for advice. Although I think I know I learned more from them than I do. And that I think would be to take risks early and often. A friend of mine says safety third. And so I think sometimes I played it too safe and I find a lot of people play life too safe and then they have all these regrets. So take a lot of risks. That's what I would say. Yeah, no, that's that. That's terrific. So speaking of that, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question since this is the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. What is the riskiest thing you've ever done? And by the way, the bar's high now. I've gotten some really 
phenomenal answers to this question. I know. I've heard some of them, and I don't think I'm going to compete. Oh, come on. (laughs) I've seen some of your hikes. (laughs) I know. I was going to go with some really hairy, bodacious rappels that I've done. I'll I'll tell you the bigger, the biggest risk, and I do it regularly, and that's get out on the dance floor with my wife. So Mm -hmm. my wife is a phenomenal dancer, and she looks like she's 20. And so we go out there dancing all the time. And uh, and people are looking at us. One is they're like, who's that guy with the 20 year old? And then they're like, he can't dance. And I dance. I I am a white guy. I dance like my wife is brown skinned and she's got a beat to her. She had Bollywood. I don't, she's, she just has stunning. She's stunning. Ed. She's I'm a really lucky man for sure. And so it's a risk every time I go out there because I should but here's a good thing. Here's Ed, here's the redeeming part is once people get over the shock, oh, who's that old guy with her? Then they don't look at me at all. Uh, so there's no more risk. They're just staring at her. So I don't have to worry about it. But I, but we just went dancing the other night. It was the same thing. Is That's a risk, man, getting out there on the dance floor because she is so good. And I'm like mediocre. Salsa? Yes, yeah, salsa, merengue, mostly bachata is our really? thing. Is what, what, what is that? I don't know that. I'm afraid. Yeah, bachata is also a Latin dance. It's a little bit easier than, I find it easier than salsa because there's like a basic move that's not hard to learn, almost like a two-step in country. And out of that is the formation of everything else. So if you get that basic step, you can add in a lot of things you might know from other dances. So you just keep that special bachata rhythm. So that's, uh, those are my high risk things. And I, but I face it on, can I tell you a really quick risk thing? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because this was funny. I had a team building 20 some years ago. I was at University Hospitals in Cleveland. They wanted to go to Odalangari River or something like that in Pitts, in near Pittsburgh. And we did this whitewater rafting and I was so naive and I fell out. I almost died, literally almost died. Oof. Scared to death, swore I would never whitewater raft again. Fast forward three weeks ago. So a friend of mine, I'm up in Vail. He lives in Vail. He's like, Ed, they, you got to do this. And I'm like, no, I don't do whitewater rafting. He goes, don't worry. I've been in the water 17 times this month and uh, it's safe and you don't have to do anything. You just sit in front. I've got this brand new boat. I'm going to take care of everything. Don't worry. So we're cruising along and I swear this happened. So I, I texting my family, you got to head your face, your fears head on. You got to take risks. Don't be afraid, overcome all that kind of motivational BS. And, uh, and so there we are, we hit a class four rapid and he does, I won't tell you who he is and you'll know, cause you know, him. he does exactly what he told me you should never do and why rafts flip. So as our raft is starting to flip, he gets thrown out of the raft. So the raft comes oh back stable, but it's me in the front without any oars going through class four rapids. I'm just holding on for dear life and I'm looking for him. He's in the water. I'm thinking mm-hmm. he's going to drown. He grabs onto the raft. And then he has to just hold on because I couldn't help him. And and the best thing was for him just to hold on. We went through a series of class four rapids. And then he got back on the boat and everything was good. But I'll never raft again. (laughs) How long were you in the class four rapids? Was it like 30 seconds or was it like three minutes? It seemed like three minutes. But yeah, it was probably less than one minute. But I was scared for my life because of my previous experience. Yeah, I faced my fear. I did it, but I don't need to face it a second time. How about going to the Bridge of Nowhere and bungee jumping off of it? What about that? Have you done that? <laughs> I have not done that. Have you? What about you? The seriousness thing I've ever done? Yeah. Oh, boy. Slam dance in a punk punk bar, probably. 
Yeah, that can be dangerous. I've done a lot of risky things. This is a rated PG <laughs> show, though. I can't really. <laughs> All right. Well, you have to give me the real scoop. The there you go. Out. I'll do that. I'll do that. But you've repelled, obviously. Repelling is... Yeah, we did this. This was the funniest thing. We did... So I did a lot of repelling in the Army. Mm-hmm. And so repelling, not that big of a deal, but we did a series in Puerto Rico of seven waterfalls. And the last one, 250 feet. And uh, the, you know what it's like. You look straight down and your light passing. Mm. I was scared out of my wits and there was no turning back. There's nothing you could do. And so my wife went first. I thought I was being like, honey, you can go ahead and go first if you want. I was scared. <laughs> and then she goes down, she she does it like a champ, but it's, oh my gosh. And I had to do it. And then I, you have to enough, I fall halfway down. Obviously I'm safe because I've got the rope, but I lose my footing and I'm getting beat up by the water. The entirety of the waterfall gets channeled right on top of my head on my helmet, <gasps> getting just beat up. And I'm like, I was standing there like cursing and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I realized there's no one's going to help me. There's no help. You got to move your butt yeah, and get going. Yeah. So, I, so I finally got going and obviously made it down. But yeah, a repelling scares me to death. And there's no belay at the bottom, I'm sure. <laughs> Just a big pool. Just a big pool. <laughs> now, did you go face first or did you go back? No, I went back, but I've That's done alien repel. Have you yeah. did, did you do that yeah, in the Army? Yeah, I offered helicopters actually in the Army. Dang, you're like a 101 Airborne or? I didn't do that, but I, I did during, so I went through ROTC and I was at Fort Sill. Okay. So I was a field artillery officer and boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> King of battle, something like that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, was yeah. good, it was a good time, but amazing lessons from the military that transitioned nicely into the corporate world and really, I think, set you up for success in leadership roles. So given that, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in your career? Boy, hardest lesson is, dang, I think I'm, I've been too trusting at times. It's just, I love people. I'm a big people believer. I believe in people and I always want to believe the best. And yeah, I've got, I've gotten stabbed a couple of times. And so that's the hardest lesson is not everyone is for you, but you don't want to be jaded. That's the other thing. I didn't want to keep going in my career and then watch out for everyone. Like they've got ulterior motives. So I just decided I, I'll just take it, you know, I'll get through it, whatever happens. Hopefully people don't take advantage of me, but if they do in the end, things will work out. And so that's the tack that I've taken, but it was painful when it happens, when someone does something to you that, that isn't right. And especially so, if you've given your trust to the yeah, person, that's the worst. I've had it. Yeah. I've had it a couple of times, like probably three times and, oh, man. but it's helped shape who I am and I don't want to change. And so that was a counsel I got from people. They were my friends would call me and because they, they knew what happened or whatever. And they're like, Ed, don't change. We know that sucked, but don't change. And so yeah. I don't let it change me. And it, it obviously thickens your skin yeah. and uh, makes you a little more resilient. Definitely. But you're right. I'm the same way. I'm so trusting. And until I get burned and I'm like, why are people like that? I don't know. Yeah. I feel sad for them. I can see the couple of people right in my head right now as we mm-hmm. talk about it. Just sad for them. And then if I look at their lives, they're just sad. And yeah. so they don't know any better. Yeah. All right, last question. You've seen my post on music. Let's do the desert, at the island we're heading on. The plane is crashing. You can take five minutes yeah. with you. What would they be? I know. I, that's why I love following you on Facebook because you, <laughs> you've got the best, like I said in the very beginning, you got the best playlist, song list. You've seen all the concerts and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I think one of the top would be A Night at the Opera. Oh, phenomenal choice. Yeah. Oh, that was so, one of the first albums I bought when I was a kid. That's great. That's a good album. Yeah. Yeah, that's a classic, and and I love that one a lot. 
And that's the, Queen for the Younger Listeners. Who are wondering yeah. what, that, what that is. This one may surprise you a little bit, but I love the music and it got me into dance. The soundtrack for Saturday Night Fever. Phenomenal. No, I yeah. just was talking about that the other night. That's a great soundtrack. You know, BGs and yeah, BGs are phenomenal. Yeah. They were, that was some good music. And so I really like that. Synchronicity. Police. The police. Yeah. yeah the police. Good. So I love the police. I love their early work. And uh, Synchronicity is very cerebral. Sting is a, masterful, not only musician, but his lyrics are pretty profound. So those are my top three that I would go with. Okay. Now you mentioned Sabbath earlier, which is a, yeah. just a surpriser. So any, any hard rock, any real like Zeppelin or? Yeah. So in terms of, so I was, a lot of my early formation was London Calling by The awesome. Clash. Clash. Yeah. Fantastic. So I went through, so I was this rocker guy and I'll, I'll give you one rocker album. I was this rocker guy. And then I got into punk and that so clash was like a lead into punk and then even early u2 was uh punkish into the album october october and boy yeah. yep yeah absolutely so yep. i love gloria it's mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite songs and so that's really cool yeah in terms of rock and roll i loved i had a double album from black sabbath i'm spacing on the what that which one what it was called but didn't wasn't there a double sabbath bloody sabbath i think was that- yeah yeah is that the one uh, we opened it up and there was a woman in a coffin? Yes. And that song, The Wizard with the harmonica was on that? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's yeah. it. So, I love it. And I got into Ozzy Osbourne when he uh, broke uh, away and you know, loved Ixie Train. Train. Yeah. That's my stage song, by the way. When I would speak in Ipravada, I would they would cue that up and they would play love that it. as I came up on stage. Yeah, I love that song. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's fantastic. And it's been a pleasure. Any last parting thoughts for our listeners today? Ed, thank you for having me. Yeah, I think go out and take calculated risks, safety third, all the things we talked about. And then obviously a lot of your audience is in cybersecurity and never shortchange anything when it comes to cyber and protect protect our patients. Excellent. That's an excellent way to end the program. This is Ed Gaudet from the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. If you're on the front lines protecting patients, stay safety, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps. Thanks for listening to Risk Never Sleeps. For the show notes, resources, and more information on how to transform the protection of patient safety, visit us at sensinet.com. That's C-E-N-S-I-N-E-T.com. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet, and until next time, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps. Never sleeps.